transfer PG on the map for Wales. He's flirted with the wrestler Adrian Street, and he'll make a song about anything. From Wirral, Merseyside, UK, meet and greet Don Woods. So a very good day. Welcome, everybody, with the weirdest of weird weather on the Costa Blanca. It has really been some of the most uh, interesting weather, but at the same time, weird. It's been cold. It's been windy. It's been uh, very, very cold. It's been very, very hot. Last night, we had uh, the strangest of storms, the most ridiculous clouds um, that I've ever seen in the sky, I think. And then the electricity came and woof, it all went off. I'm hoping uh, that we've got Don Woods and it's a bit of an unusual time. It could well be that he's still not out of bed because I believe it's about seven o'clock in the evening. Don, are you there? I am here, Vince. Oh. Ready to rock, as always. Oh, that's... I was born, that... I was born ready, mate. <laughs> well, that's a relief because, as I say, there's been so many strange things happening um, with the electrics and everything that um, it's been a most unusual period of time. And I believe that you've actually got toast pipe bands on the horizon. Well, yes. The weather here, we've had two weeks of sunshine with no rain clear skies it hasn't been that warm it's been warm in the day but cool at night you know so that's two weeks so no doubt any day now we will be warned of a risk of a drought because that's what happens in this country you know forget the floods over the winter which washed away homes and devastated towns and villages doesn't matter that's it they're over now this is this is how people who are in control of things in this country work. You know, it's nice weather. If this nice weather continues, we'll have a hosepipe ban, I'm sure. Watch this space. Forget the billions and billions of gallons that have washed over the country over the winter. You know, can't they save any of that? I don't know. Anyway, we're guaranteed it because every time we have a, a, a break, from the rain, out comes the uh, the drought, the drought bit. <laughs> so th- that'll be next. Watch this space, as I say. Well, I remember back in 1976, of course, when I lived on the same Wirral that you live on. Um, basically, we had the minister for drought, who was a football referee, D- Dennis Howell. And we've been having those sort of things happening ever since that time. And that's what's so strange. It's almost like... You know, we're putting people on Mars. Uh, well, not Mars, but, you know, we're putting um, little helicopters on Mars and things like that. But we can't seem to do anything with the God-given water that people get, which is a great luxury for some parts of the world. And um, for other parts of the world, there's just no water. So you think that somebody somewhere would be getting water management right by now, wouldn't you? You think so, yeah. I mean, I can't see why build more reservoirs, you know, do something like that. You know, they, they sort of, all this, we we look, get the news and there's floods, people getting rescued from their houses on, on boats by the RNLI, you know, and so I just don't get it at all. 
you know, the, the country's flooded in the winter, really bad. We've had rain pouring down and rain. And now we've been told, you know, to we gotta might start have to save save water. You know, who's in control? What, what are these people paid to control this? I don't know. It's very strange. That'll be next on the agenda. Mm. Probably, I can, you can see that coming. You know? Well, I, I know when I moved down from Wirral and uh, went down to um, live in Cornwall, uh, and when I was in college in in uh, in Plymouth. We had Lady Sayer, I think it was, who wouldn't allow um, another reservoir to be built on Dartmoor. She was um, some, obviously a political figure of some power because she wouldn't allow the, um, y- you know, the necessary reservoirs to be put in. And then, of course, uh, when we were doing our studying of um, outdoor recreation and how people use the leisure time and all that sort of thing, um, I think people eventually saw the light and saw that a reservoir could be used for other things as well. And so, you know, people can sail on reservoirs. You'll probably know more about that than me. Um, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can. You can here. But, you see, what, what puzzles me is you look at the canal system in this country and it was made by hand in the Victorian days. The Human beings dug these out, you know, without machinery. There's the Manchester Ship Canal was built by hand, and they, they go, they dig through rock and make and tunnels by hand. Now, with all this machinery, they can't redirect the water. You know, to me, it doesn't make any sense at all. You know, even when there's floods, they could redirect it out to the sea or, or something, but they don't. You know, it, it's we're going backwards in the country. We seem to be going backwards. Well, of course, here in uh, Valencia, we actually have the River Turir, I think it's called, and it used to flood the city every year. And uh, so there was one particular year when I think the flood water rose to about six feet. And they took the decision to uh, make uh, the river make a deviation. So they diverted the river completely. And um, the dry riverbed is now a a total area for people to um, have football matches and uh, run and train. And they have all sorts down there. It really is a wonderful city. Uh, And and it just just shows you that things, if they're managed properly, they, they can do a lot of things, don't they? That's right. That's right. But the the thing is, you've no control. You know, we're left. These people who run this sort of thing, and you can't get involved. There's no control. You just got to accept that when it doesn't rain, there's going to be a drought. You know, we just accept it. You know, why should we accept it? You know, there doesn't seem to be any answers. Oh well, you know, it's we can't do anything about that. Well, you know, that that's about it really. And I wonder how much they get paid for saying there's not much we can do about that. You know, that's 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 how I see it anyway. Well, it's just when annoying. You look, it's very annoying, you know. And when you look at the likes of what they managed to do in the River uh, Thames, you know, by putting the barrier up, um, it does show you that things can be done. It's it's like oh, yeah. it's where there's a will, there's a way, isn't it? That's right, that's right. It can be done, yeah. But I don't know. It's, as I say, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because you get, you get no say. You know, you just have to accept it, really. Well, of course, 
At the minute you say that, we had the nonsense last week of the European Football Super League, um, mm. which, of course, is our next topic. So what have you got for me on that one? Well, the football saga has been filling the news with clubs and players licking their lips at the chance to make even more money with the new Super League. Top of the bill on the news, you know, forget the trouble in India uh, and and everybody dying through COVID because they haven't got it. That, is, that isn't top of the news. This was top of the news, the football, you know. Uh, and all of a sudden, it goes out like a damp squib. That was it. So was this the end of the world? Listen to the news coverage. It seemed it was. You know, I know football is everything to many people, but personally, I couldn't care less one way or another. You know, when you have so-called fans throwing bricks through the windows of the coaches of opposing teams, it's time to get real before the game loses its way. This is how I see it now. And uh, I, I will, I'm willing to bet very few of them have ever kicked a football, you know, these so-called supporters. Because when you listen to the rants and the raves of them, you know, I, I, I have to smile at the pub conversations, which always begin with, what we need is, we, you know, what we need is blah, blah, blah. And it, I... I you know, if they were any good, they should be out playing on a Saturday instead of watching, if they're any good. But they know it all. You know, I was in the sauna, a local sauna here, a while ago, and there was a young girl in there and three three lads going on. We need, we need, what we need is to sort out the back four and we need a new manager. She's going on and on. And I walked out in the end and this girl walked out with me and I said, did you enjoy that conversation? And she said, oh, my God, they were, they were really gone. And I said, I'll give you a tip. If you want to get in on the conversation, you need you need sort of sayings. You need to be straight in with what we need is a new midfield with someone up front who can create chances. So once you say that, you're in, you know, even though you may not know what you're talking about. And then we need a new back four. That's another one you can use. You see, she was laughing enough because they don't know what they're talking about either. You know, but I, I thought that was ridiculous, the way that went, the Super League thing. And and now the fans are outside Manchester United protesting. You know, at the end of the day, it's a football match. You know, it's greed. That's all. The fans think they're so important. You know, if I, fans think that if they don't go to the match, they'll lose. They, they are a major part of it all. And... It's been proved over the last four months you haven't had any fans in the in the in the in the stadiums. So you know they obviously don't need them that much. Well, you know, but... I, I just think that uh, I would disagree with what you just said, then Don, because Liverpool were unbeaten in practically four years with the crowd being able to cheer them on, and then because there's been no uh, home advantage. They've been really very, very ordinary. And as you've seen, they've lost a lot of their uh, mojo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go back to this business, though, of the European Super League, because there's yeah. a lot more gone on there. I've said for a while now, I'm pretty sure that football is being used as a diversionary tactic so that people 
are occupied whilst these, whoever are planning our future with the masks and the pandemic and everything else, um, I think that's why they are keeping everybody, um, shall we say, occupied rather than us knowing what's going on. Now, when we talk about whether it's important, and I do tend to agree with you that its importance is exaggerated, Pogba for Manchester United is trying to get himself £500,000 per week. I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that yeah. is immoral money. At the moment, is. Messi is the big one. Um, you know, and these clubs are trying to pay this money. Don't forget, the money doesn't exist, Don. And in life, the one thing I'm beginning to really understand a lot better is if you really want to find out the problem... Follow, follow the money. Now, you've got the big six, if you like, and it's really being driven, it would seem, by the guy who's in charge of Real Madrid. Richest club in the world, and they're only £1 billion um, richer than Barcelona, or it's the other way around, put it that way. How they can be making and play, paying footballers' wages when nobody is going through the tills or the turnstiles, there's only one answer. Somebody is bankrolling it. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy, is he's into everything. I mean, um, I don't know enough about it, but from the allegations that have come up time and time again, he is not somebody that you'd want to particularly mess with. Now, Bigger than this, to be able to, to bring, obviously, Barcelona, uh, Juventus and then these six English clubs into a situation where they're supposed to be signing into this new Super League, um, something is really more than just the football behind it. And I try to... I try to fathom this out, and again, you're going to probably not agree with me, but it just is food for thought. Who would benefit most from football being played every day, keeping all the young men, and probably the older men as well, but certainly more occupied than not occupied? And my thoughts again drift across to a country that's been trying, been trying to promote football for a long time, China. Yeah, yeah. And if somebody phoned up one of these big clubs like the um, Real Madrid situation and said, I'll give you a way to make even more money, just form this European Super League, then it wouldn't surprise me if there is some money from either Saudi Arabia or China somewhere behind all this. Because anybody with half a brain would know that anybody who supports all these clubs that we've been out in the streets and people shouting and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, they don't understand football. They understand money. They understand yeah, greed, don't yeah. they? Yeah. You see, it's, it's, it's like yourself. I, I played football for six years in a local league, the Whittle Comp. And, you know, so I, I'm, a, I'm a player as opposed to a spectator, you know, in every sport. I've played lots of sports, tennis and squash and everything. But I like I like to participate, you know, as opposed to watch. 
which so I'm probably a bit biased. I cannot see when I worked in Bootle, I was talking to this young lad and he was telling me, We're staunch blue. Staunch blue, he says it you know and he said, when Everton lose on a Saturday, we all sit round the table, nobody speaks at tea time and we turn the picture to the wall. And I thought, well, there you go. There's not a lot you can say about that, is there? <laughs> you know, so I now understand it is a way of life for a lot of people. Maybe they don't have anything else to do. But I don't get it. It's a football match, that's all. You know, I can go and watch Liverpool. I hope they win because they're local. Or Everton, I hope they win because they're local. You know, and Tranmere. But, you know, it's, I couldn't get so worked up about it all. And, and to, to throw bricks through windows of coaches of, of the opposing team, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's getting out of hand. It's silly. Well, you know, and, I, and I sort of see it this way because based around things I had to read, which is probably why I've got this type of inquiry in mind as to whether it could be something more sinister. If you think about it, you see, it's tribal. And it goes back to yeah. um, people who basically want to feel that they are the main protagonist, which of course they're not. They're, they're just the crowd. Yeah, and, they, and want you go, part of, they want to be part of something. Yeah, and you go back to simple, you know, and you go back to the likes of the Romans watching the gladiators and all that sort of stuff. Now, if you're talking about today's environment and whether there is really a group of people trying to control us, which I'm not the only person that feels like this. I mean, by all means, I can understand people not particularly subscribing to this point of view, but I do feel people all joined last year were being manipulated. And I also believe that, um, you know, the news is being given in a way that's not totally representative of totally what's going on. I, I think there's something much more sinister and much bigger going on. And whether it's people being naive and a bit stupid or whether it's people being manipulated, I'm not sure. But I do feel that if you first look at, for example, the VAR, the, um, the Video ass Assisted Referee, now, the number of times there's a situation which the whole world who's watching the game can see what's happened, but the VAR gives them something totally different so that immediately you've got another big talking point, and that happens virtually once or twice every weekend with the round of matches. Yeah. So, again, it's keeping us all focused on something that is important to some people, but really isn't important to the bigger picture. I just think there's more in this, Don, and um, I wouldn't, um, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if you disagree, but I just think it's worth a thought because if I was, a, if I was in charge of China with billions of young men who could suddenly turn against me or the, the ruling body, the Chinese Communist Party, um, what better way than to give them all football so that they're all embroiled in football? And they've been trying to do it and make football popular for a long time. Yeah, yeah, interesting point, mate. Interesting, yeah. OK. Yes, I'll, well, I'll give that some thought. <laughs> thanks. I mean, look, as I say, I, I really don't under, I don't really feel that people have to agree with me, but I just think there's... There are sinister things at foot, afoot, and I don't really understand 
uh, how much, for example, you can link, you can link the next point you're going to make with what I've been saying, and I'll explain it when you've done it. So tell us about the BBC next. Yeah, yeah. well, you see, on that subject, you see, to be manipulated, they're there for the taking. I've always said this. You know, the, the, they, the, the population, the majority of the population instantly believe what they're told in the papers. You see, I don't, I'm, I don't. You know, I'm a different. Anyway, the BBC are still getting slated over the blanket coverage of the royal funeral. And Nicholas Witchell is taking a lot of stick with his reading of the body language between William and Harry in an attempt to invent news. In fact, every time I see Nicholas Witchell, I have to laugh because I remember him reporting on the Royals years ago when they were skiing and Charles, William and Harry were sitting in front of support, uh, reporters rather on a bench and Witchell shouted a question to them. And Charles, not realising his mic was on, said, I can't stand that bloke. And, and he, you know, he, he, he made some really insulting remarks. And the two sons killed themselves laughing. I really enjoyed that. So every time I see Nicholas Witchell, I wonder what he must think. He must, <laughs> he must remember that. It was classic, you mm. know. But they, they invent news. He's trying to make news out of nothing. You know, he doesn't know what William's saying to Harry, but he's reading the body language. It's pathetic. It is. And, and the thing is, you see, you know I'm not a royalist. I'm not an anti-royalist, but I'm not a royalist. Yeah. In, other, in other words, I do feel that something is needed because obviously you've got to have control of some oh, sort. Yeah. I mean, this is this is at the moment what I feel is above us, this power stra struggle. But the one thing that I've got to say, um, I think shining through a lot of troubles has been the Queen. I think the Queen, and to a lesser extent, but a very great extent, uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, who sadly just died. And of course, um, when you look at what, uh, uh, you know, Meghan and uh, Harry have been involved with, and then um, just so happens that Oprah Winfrey uh, was there to put together a nice interview. They're trying to destabilise Britain. That's what they're trying to do. In my opinion, nothing is clearer in my mind than trying from every which way to undermine United Kingdom and the British way of life. Now, I don't live in Britain anymore, so... Um, you know, I'm not saying it from a vested interest. I'm saying it from an observational point of view. Uh, of course, Prince Harry made mistakes. I think he's been uh, strung along by this Meghan. I really do. And I feel that it was really very, very much a cathartic moment. Uh, they were really beginning to get on top. And then, of course... Um, you know, after the interview, you've got all these people who are against the, the Queen and everything. And then suddenly the sadness comes, the Duke of Edinburgh dies. And now it has swung a little bit back because I think people are realising if the Queen goes, a way of life has gone. And there is a British way of life and there's a nice way of life and a good way of looking at life. Totally under attack from people who are trying to um, engineer a different history. They're trying to get 
divisions between black people and white people which didn't exist to the degree that they're making them exist. They're trying to use football by getting the footballers to kneel down before the game, which again didn't really... It hasn't helped matters because a lot of people now are fed up with that to the back teeth. Yeah. So I think there's a lot in this. Uh, I really do. Yeah. yeah. Well, like you say, the kneeling, taking the knee, they've made the point, you know, it, it, I'm, not, I'm not racist in any way whatsoever, but what, what we tend to do is copy America. You know, we're not America. You know, over here we, we get the Americanisms, the high fives and gold figure and 24-7. See, it gets on my nerves, you know, that sort of thing. But that's what that's what they're like. He says, I've always said the public, the majority of public, the sheep, as I call them, as you know, they're there for the taking. You know, they're easy to manipulate. See, if everybody was like me, I would, I would you know, it would be a different country completely, but they're not... There's not many people like me, and don't say thank goodness before you... <laughs> no, no, listen, listen. The, the, the fact of the matter is, from uh, an observational point of view, because I don't live there anymore, yeah. I would, I'd love to see Britain totally prosper. I'd love to see Spain prosper, because this is where I live. Um, but I do feel that there's lots of different factions working against both Britain and both Spain and various other really, really old countries that realistically are the basis of our culture. Knowing, you know, that when you go to France, you expect certain things in their culture. And when you go to Germany, the idea of a United States of Europe is what they wanted to uh, progress, like they're trying to do with the football, by the way, this European Super League. It's only yeah. another extension of Europe trying to take over football. And funny enough, I put a podcast together about, oh, it was about 12 years ago, and I'd picked up on a comment about uh, Europe, UEFA, wanted to take over the English Premier League. Don, this has been going on for a long time. Yeah. These people, yeah. These people in Brussels are something totally different to us. They are power brokers, the people who didn't get on in their own countries. So they're all now on the gravy train in Brussels and uh, they're never content. They're never happy. They, 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 they want even more. So they didn't, they didn't like the idea of it stopping to this progression of the United States of Europe. Nothing's going away. It's all behind closed doors. And this pandemian, uh, uh, pandemic and everything has been a godsend for some of these people. Um, I, I don't buy into it, Don. I really don't. Yeah. As I say, well, the, the, the pubs, again, you see, when, when they open the pubs, you can drink outside. They were all there. Crowds of people. Oh, we can go out now. You see, they weren't doing it before lockdown. The pubs were struggling. And now we're getting save your local. And they've put the prices up. You see, what, what businesses need to realise is when you're in a business, you cannot depend on customers. You cannot depend on them. You know, they will do what they want. There's no loyalty in customers, you can't see that. You've got to have a business which doesn't need that. 
like the music business. If you're in the music business, as I was, you don't need that. You don't need, you know, you don't need to sell stuff. You can make money not not actually selling stuff. You know, you're not depending on, on that's what they're doing at the moment, the pubs. Save your, save your local. You know, who's going to go out and pay £5 a pint? I'm not. You know, if, if the pub goes under, hard luck. You know, but, you know, that, that's the way it is. But that, that's how it's going here as well. You know, businesses, got, like that terrible thing with the GPO, all those people. That terrible, terrible. It's disgraceful. And one lady was on today on the radio. She had a business, a small business, and they took the business off her and we're going to take the house off her. And she was absolutely distraught. But you see, you can't depend on people. If you're in business, you've got to have cover. You've got to, you know... See, the only way a pubs can survive is to have cheaper booze. That's it. Weatherspoons have proved that. You know, you go to Carnarvon, Weatherspoons is crap, packed out, or it was when, when you could. There's a pub next door with nobody in it. You know, and there's a notice outside the pub. Today, special offer, £2.50 a pint. Next door, it's one ninety nine <laughs> a pint. Well, where are you going to go? You know, the, the people are going to go there because there's no loyalty. You know, you go where the cheapest is. And that that's the problem with, with it all, it seems to me. You know, and... Well, um, well, we're changing the rules every other week here. And it has been that you have to uh, stop serving food in a restaurant at six o'clock and everybody has to go home and have to uh, we're locked down at uh, 10 o'clock but you know you you can't buy anything from six o'clock and then they've just said now that uh, you can now serve in the restaurants till 10 o'clock okay at 10 o'clock everybody's got to go home haven't they so yeah. there's no way that people are going to be in the restaurant at 10 o'clock they're not going to be there later than, say, half past nine to order because they can't get the food, eat it, and then go home. They can't do it. So whoever has made this ridiculous rule has basically not extended the hours till 10 o'clock. They've maybe made them till, say, 8 o'clock. But this is what I'm saying. We are being manipulated we are being controlled, and we've got another thing that's happened over here in Spain. We've had um, the leader of, or the the uh, second in command in the coalition government, has now decided he wants to run for um, the, being the mayor of Madrid. He is going out to practically. Well, he said he was a communist, so he's a communist, and then basically, he's now come into a debate. And typical of people on the left, when they have a debate, they find a tactic where they don't really have to say anything. Um, he's just come up with the idea that uh, he's been sent three uh, bullets in the post. Now, this, of course, is serious in Spain because of what's happened in the history of Spain. Yeah. yeah. But uh, as I've seen on some of the people writing in through the social media, they've been saying, well... When one lady said, I work in the Correos in the, the post office, and she said anything with anything in a letter has to go through a scanner. And there is no way that he could receive those bullets as he says he's got. Now, yeah, yeah. I don't know what's true. All I'm trying to do is think, well, could it be true? So then you look at the fact that he's then been able to walk out of this debate and 
probably winning the sympathy vote of the people who think he has been sent the bullets, yeah. you know. Okay, yeah. well, what about uh, getting off to sleep? Are you able to sleep at the moment, Don? <laughs> I always have a problem. The problem I have is I, I like a few. I, I'm not a, a boozer, but I like a few drinks. No, I'd say you're a boozer, actually. In the, <laughs> <laughs> in the evening. Um, but, you know, so I generally watch a bit of telly and conk out around about half past nine till about half past ten. So, you know, then I can't get off to sleep. So what I do, I've got a television at the end of the bed and I watch that before I go to sleep, which helps me nod off. It works, you know. I hope, I uh, I hope the, the programmes aren't unsavoury. No, certainly not. I don't, I don't watch them. <laughs> Good for <laughs> you. Thing, I believe. <laughs> yeah, especially match of the day, you know, on Saturday night with uh, the recorded crowds. By the time we get to the pundits, I'm away. I've gone. And um, but last Friday, we've talked about this before. There was nothing worth watching, so because it, it, I can't get match of the day on a Friday. So I thought I'd, I'd try Graham Norton. He was the only thing that was on. That was anything worth watching. This is about eleven o'clock, so I thought I'll, I'll watch Graham Norton see if it's improved the program because I can't stand the program. It hadn't improved, you know. There was uh, it, it, it's hard to to describe, you know. They all they were all killing themselves laughing at nothing, and George Clooney as a guest on the screen with everything. He said being greeted with everyone howling, laughing, with Graham Norton issuing his annoying guffer. <laughs> you know, so actually left me wondering what they're all laughing at. I don't know what they're laughing at. It's as if you've got to be funny. It's a chat programme. Tell us about your book. You don't have to be laughing all the time, you know. So I don't know how much longer we've got to put up with this tripe. But the BBC has reached a new low, in my opinion. You know, they need to sort these programmes out. I watched last night um, a, a episode of Heidi High. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't stop laughing. It was brilliant. It was yeah. so funny. You know, and, and we have... I watched Would I Lie to You, which is funny. Yeah, I like but, that. And um, uh, the, the one... The one where he he put things in in the down the hole. What's it called? Um, Frank Skinner's program. Oh yeah, yeah, I know the. Um, oof. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Department Thirteen or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, and that's good, you know. But I thought Heidi High. What happened to, to those great writers? It was so funny. I mean, from the start to finish, and the classic Ruth Maddock is so funny. And, and the chap, the chap that plays um, the, the the camp host, just great, you know. Yeah. And I thought, well, why can't they put them on those sort of? Why can't they write those programs anymore? Well, I think you know, again, you see, Don, you, you you're talking about something which is really dear to my heart because we're talking about the culture of a country and using the television to encourage people to either like things light, light-hearted and be a nice population or look at the constant hardcore stuff that really is making people quite 
um, vicious and quite nasty. And I know we're talking about the news at the moment. Um, you know, basically, that's the problem. We, we've got to the stage where good, clean comedy is now replaced by utter filth or tripe. And I remember, you know, my, my own parents were horrified by some of the things that were being introduced during our lives. I don't think what we were being introduced to was actually bad. Maybe my parents were, were a little bit too sort of fuddy-duddy, but um, the programmes you highlighted, Heidi High, totally well-written, totally well-acted, nothing sinister at all in it. Uh, would I lie to you? Really, uh, you know, really great programme. Frank Skinner's show, nice little programme. You turn on the um, uh, live at the Apollo, and, uh, you know, I love to watch a good, clean comedian. Yeah, and yeah. you're lucky if you get one at the moment because the minute these guys kick off, it just becomes totally and utterly as low as the common denominator can go. And it then just you... isn't funny, though, is it? You see, I mean, I don't, I, I'm no prude, but it, it just isn't funny what they're writing and they're writing and they're wrong. But the trouble is, you know, the good writers. You, you can't do it anymore. Oh, you'll offend somebody. Oh, you know. I watch the, the people are putting clips of Benny Hill on uh, Facebook, and they're hilarious. You know, the girls, skimpily dressed girls, but the girls are up for it. They're laughing, you know. And Benny Hill with his real dirty look. But it's great. It's good comedy, but oh, no, it's uh, offensive to women. That's the problem. And it isn't. It's funny because a lot of women think it's great, you know, but it's just the ones who have the say, you know, seem to, to get all the publicity. Well, I go and back. It's, I go, it's a shame, really. I go back to what I'm saying. It's a constant theme. We are being manipulated. We're being changed. Uh, again, because I'm not living in Britain, I can see it more clearly. You want yeah. to see your TV from the adverts perspective. Just by looking at the adverts, I would all, all practically think that it must be, there must be a good 60 to 70% of your population in the UK are black. Now, yeah. I yeah. don't have a problem with black people because, quite frankly, some of the most marvellous people in the world have been and are black people. So I don't have a problem that way. When I watch the TV I like to look and be critical and think about things that are making me understand uh, society, that sort of thing. I really, really can't understand how you've got so many black people suddenly appearing in the media. Well, you see, the, the thing is, they call them black people, and yet they're only ordinary people, aren't they? You know, it's, it's like saying anybody that wears a, a baseball cap or the baseball cap people... You know, it's only, it's nothing to me. I look at somebody and that's it, they're fine. You know, by calling them black people, which they do, and, and you see, they're, they're, they're making them something that they're actually not. You know, they're just, mm -hmm. they're only ordinary people, aren't they? And I've said to people in the past, you know, this isn't my country. It's just, it's just mountains and stone and, and grass. You, you know, it's, it's only a piece of land. You know, but if anybody comes here, they've got to obey the rules like I have to. Yeah. And if we go to their country, I have to obey the rules like them. But you see, when they call people black people, they're only people. It, it, it doesn't really matter about the skin. It, you know, that's the only difference. And 
most of them you, you don't even notice it really. Well, well as I... you say, they're, they're putting them on the adverts all the time now, the, the, the Asian type people. So, you know, uh, it doesn't really bother me at all. But well, it, they make it too obvious. Again, you know, it's they like. It than, they make it more than it isn't. They're making more out of it than that isn't actually there, you know. Don, as, as a young DJ, I know you don't like Tamla Motown. I love Tamla Motown. I used to go out and play the music all the time. I used to love Stevie Wonder's early stuff, the Marvelettes, the Miracles, the Velvelettes, the Supremes, and uh, people like James Brown. You know, I loved the funky music. So during the 60s and the 70s, um, I loved the uh, black cricketers when they came over to play. I loved the um, just the black athletes, phenomenal. I mean, the the black athletes that are part of the British team are just they enhance our lives. They've been part of our lives. I never thought of them as being black people. People have made this become an issue which never, ever should have become an issue. Um, yeah. They're just yeah. our friends and neighbours and people we um, have got on with through our lives, aren't they? They're just they're the same as everybody else. You know, I, I look at the athletics and if I watch a race on the athletics, I couldn't tell you how many white blokes are running or how many black blokes are It doesn't, doesn't matter. You know, they're athletes. You know, and, and as for the music, I don't dislike Tamla Motown. The only reason I don't like Tamla, or I'm not fussy on Tamla Motown, is it was the same band back in, so it was the same yeah. sound all the time. You know, the Funk Brothers, wasn't it? And, you know, it, it didn't do a lot for me. But, you know, I mean, the, 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 those type of people, like the Chuck Berries and all those, they oh, were rock and roll. Phenomenal. The, the rock and roll came from the, the, the blues, didn't it? The, it came from the blues originally. You know, so, you know, I, I don't see any problem. The problem is in America. That, that seems to be the problem. They have a problem with, with black people, if you like, from the slave days. And, you know, it, it sort of threads over here. Well, it, living here, I don't see it that much. You know, I can go to Liverpool. Um, you know, there's, there's black Chinese, everyone, everyone wandering around. I don't even look at people and say, oh, there's a Chinaman over there. It doesn't sort of enter my head, to well, be honest. I think, you know, the, I think there, there are areas where, obviously, you have got um, racial problems because, you know, places like Bristol, places like um, uh, Birmingham, places obviously like London, uh, that will be a little bit easier to see that it's, um, you know, African uh, or Caribbean black who who have come to live in the country and some horrible people who just don't want them to be there, you know, um, which which I was never anywhere near those type of people. Yeah, but, you know, but I mean, you'll always. But but you have got you'll another. Have... I think you've got another problem as well in the spinning towns, where you've actually had a lot more Asian people who came after the nineteen sixties when they were thrown out of a uh, out of uh, Uganda and uh, Idi Amin did his bit to get rid of them. I think people forget the history. Um, all, all the the people from the West Indies came in the 50s and were, were welcomed by the British government because the white people, they didn't have enough white people to do the work. So, you know, I just don't, I don't understand why suddenly everybody's making this as horrible as it is. 
because yeah. it's not. You'll, you'll always get stupid people, won't you? And they get the publicity. That, that's the problem with the media for so much. A lot of people are most people are fine, you know, but they don't. They they get the publicity. See the bloke that throws the brick through through the window of the of the coach of the footballers. He gets the publicity. They shouldn't, you know, they do it. So they give other people ideas. You watch the news. Oh, that's a good idea. We'll go and throw bricks at coaches. Yeah. You see, that's the trouble with the media. They, you know, instead of reporting the, the positive stuff and ignoring all that nonsense, they don't because that's the news. That That's, that's a, and, and it's pathetic. And I don't watch the news, to be honest. I, I, I go on the red button and read it. And then I don't watch it. It's just sickening, yeah. you know, because everything's negative. And next thing you're showing you somebody in hospital, you know, oh, someone's just been brought into hospital and he's got tubes up his nose. You know, I mean, the fella, it's it's terrible, but you don't want to see it, you know. Yeah. What's the point? I don't know whether it's the same your end. We're getting a bit of buffering, which is, I think, because of the weather, because we have got dreadful weather here at the moment. Uh, I want you to tell me about your visit to Wales. Yeah, I went last week. I went, I've got a static in um, Carnarvon, and I went there last week to see if it was still there because we're allowed over the border. I wanted to make sure it hadn't been blown away in the winter. And, uh, you know, and while I was there... I went to Flamberis. However, it was. I've never seen it like that. I walked along the huge lake. You'll know Flamberis, won't you? Oh, I, I love walked it. along the huge lake and I literally saw about half a dozen people. You know, very strange. But Don, I've got to tell you, you're coming over as somebody who's been drinking. <laughs> and I know you haven't. It's just a question of the um the the buffer is slow like that um, so just in case I don't get it anymore um, will you yeah. tell me please about your song for this week it's not a part of the way I've just been to and it's a follow up to my now famous How to Say it's called The Magic of Wales and again is sung by my pal Paul Damien it's my tribute to the land of song there's the bells of and all guests as river bed The famous South Stack Lighthouse On the rocks at Hollyhead The windy moors of Dandy With the gorse and swaying grass The peaceful lake at Bala Flandoflan's horseshoe pass There's the seaside at Prestatin And the fair at Sunny Holywell's tradition with its abbey and its mill. Conway and Carnarvon with their ancient castle walls. And Petal Sequoia with all the splendor of the swallow falls. Wales, Wales, the magic of Railway with its 